Listen, I used to think that scheduling sex was about the least romantic thing ever. I no longer feel that way. Instead, I've given that title to late night, both absolutely exhausted, no emotion or real connection sex. I'm Carly Palmer Webb, a gender and sexuality researcher, entrepreneur, enthusiastic Jesus lover, and the Christian sex educator. I believe that you can fully embrace your faith and pursue sexual wholeness in every life stage. And I'm here to help you do just that. I provide research-based info to help you prepare for and build sexual relationships worth all the hype, shame not included. This is the Christian Sex Educator Podcast. All right, my friends, since I am in the business of helping you improve your sex life, we need to talk for a minute about lubricant. You need to know that I am the absolute biggest hype girl for using lubricant during sex, but not just any lubricant, good, high quality lubricant. If you aren't currently using it, you should definitely try it out. It's not just for women who aren't able to lubricate naturally, not at all. Lubricant increases pleasure during penetration and makes manual sex so much better. And hello, who doesn't love a good massage? The right lubricant can double as massage oil too. My very favorite lubricant and honest to goodness, the only kind my husband and I use is Coconut. Coconut lubricants and body oils are plant-based and USDA certified organic. They don't contain harmful chemicals or fragrances that can cause irritation, infection, and unpleasant smells in the most tender parts of your body. And the best part? They feel absolutely amazing and have a very faint, fresh smell. If you are using generic lubricant from your local drugstore or aren't currently using any at all, prepare to be absolutely amazed by Kokanu. And listeners of this podcast can use the code LUBE15 to get 15% off every purchase. That's L-U-B-E 15 for 15% off. You can check out their products at coconut.com, spelled just like coconut, but without the T. Good lube makes all the difference, and coconut is as good as it gets. I don't know all of you that are listening to this podcast. I don't know your life stage or relationship status, the things that you love, the challenges that you're facing. I don't know if you're really happy with your life right now or just muddling through and trying to survive. But I bet I can guess one thing about most, if not all of you. You're busy. Maybe you're a first-generation college student trying to keep up with your classes while working full-time to put yourself through school. Maybe you're a new parent just trying to survive through the zombie stage of very little sleep. Some of you might be retired with several grandkids running around your house on Sunday afternoons. But whatever your life stage or family circumstances, my guess is that you would describe yourself as busy. I know I can't be the only one who responds to texts two to three days after they were sent, starting out with the phrase, sorry, the last few days have been crazy. The truth is there's a lot of really good things and some less good things that fill our lives, often to the very brim. I've been thinking a lot about this lately for two reasons. The first is that I just finished the book The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Comer for the second time in two weeks. I highly recommend it. 
The second reason that this has been on my mind is the fact that whenever I take a poll on social media or talk to people in my courses, one of the most common reasons for not wanting sex is exhaustion. We're tired, like all of the time. New parents especially are just plain worn out. And that exhaustion is taking a toll on our relationships, including our marriages, which I would argue are the most important human relationships we've got. So I've been working to determine how to help and support those of you who want desperately to have happy, healthy marriages that are full of love and supported by regular, meaningful sex. But you feel too tired and too busy to commit the time and energy needed to create that kind of marriage. I know that me recommending that you simply have more sex or make more time for your spouse likely won't serve you because you already want to do these things, or at least want to want to. The problem is, you can't quite get yourself to do it because life is busy and the kids are constantly needing attention and you have a few more work emails to catch up on and you still haven't worked out today and you just need a few minutes to shut your brain off and scroll through Instagram reels. Sound familiar? So then what do we do? Just accept that we will never have the time or energy to build our relationship the way that we want to? Just settle for a mediocre marriage because a great one is just too much work? I'm not really down for either of those options, and I'm guessing you aren't either. Instead, I want to suggest that you and I take small, meaningful steps each day to prioritize our marriage. Nothing crazy at first, just a few minutes here and there. With time, my hope is that we can restructure our days and devote our time and energy to the things and the people that matter most to us. And our marriage? It would benefit all of us to put that at the very top of the list, perhaps just under a relationship with God. Before I got married, and for quite a while after, it would really bother me when people would say that marriage is hard. The way that many couples talked about the challenges of marriage just made it seem kind of unappealing to me. And so I decided that it wasn't marriage that was hard. Keep in mind I was single at this point. It was just life. Life is hard. And when you're facing life's challenges with a spouse, it makes it seem like the marriage itself is challenging. I still think there's some truth to that. But I have fully accepted at this point that marriage itself is difficult. But why is that? Because marriage is also supposed to be one of the greatest gifts in our lives. So what gives? Well, I think the primary reason that marriage is challenging is that it takes both time and energy. And a lot of it. And what do most of us feel like we're lacking? Time and energy. In the book I mentioned earlier, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I absolutely will not stop talking about, thank you very much, the author writes this simple but profound sentence. Love is painfully time-consuming. Gosh, good relationships just take time. Great relationships take a lot of time. Marriage is often difficult because it requires a lot of us, sometimes more than we feel like we can muster. If you're already feeling exhausted just from listening to this conversation, you're not alone. As I write this, I'm sitting on my couch, still in my pajamas from last night, feeling extra exhausted because I spent most of the night dreaming about being choked out by one of my very kind, very gentle cousins. Like, what the heck is my subconscious doing? 
Anyway, the point is, I'm right there with you. Conversations about how we should spend our time and how we need to give more time and energy to this or that, and how if we would just exercise or eat better or read our scriptures more or put away our phones, we would feel more energetic. They sometimes just make me feel like I want to curl up in a little ball in my bed and avoid the world. But I really don't want my life to feel that way. I don't want to spend all of my free time on social media or Netflix because that's all I have energy for. I don't want my husband to get whatever scraps of love and affection I can offer after I complete all of my tasks for the day. I don't want to put off sex until I have enough energy, which just so happens to be quite rarely. And I'm guessing that you don't either. So what do we do? I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers. I'm a sex researcher, not a life coach or a scheduling guru or a habit expert, but I am someone who spends a lot of time helping couples to prioritize each other. I'm very familiar with the challenges they face as they try to do so, and I have seen a lot of success among couples who are able to make even minor changes in the way they spend their time to prioritize their marriage. So based on that experience, I'm going to provide some important information and simple recommendations for you and for me. As I do, I want you to keep in mind that this is a no guilt, no shame zone. It will not serve you to beat yourself up about all the things you think you should be doing but aren't as you listen to this episode. So here's your permission to give a hard pass to any of those feelings that come up. Instead, try to focus your energy on what things you want to do not what you think you should do. What things seem like they would add love and meaning and joy to your life and marriage? Hold on to those and let go of the rest. Deal? Suggestion number one is habit stack affection for your spouse. I tried to think of a way to summarize that suggestion in a way that was a little more straightforward, but alas, I am not a wordsmith, so let me explain. In his book, Atomic Habits, author James Clear explains, one of the best ways to build a new habit is to identify a current habit you already do each day and then stack your new behavior on top. This is called habit stacking. Adding new tasks to our schedule can sometimes feel overwhelming. Developing brand new habits, even more so, at least for me. But this principle of habit stacking has been really helpful for me. Example, I have been wanting recently to connect more with God throughout the day. So instead of scheduling specific times to read and study and worship, though that is helpful too, I've started to use any wait time while I cook meals as a prayer time. Usually when I'm in the kitchen preparing food, I'll browse social media or respond to messages while I wait for the chicken to come out of the oven or the noodles to finish cooking or the microwave popcorn to finish its three-minute shape-shifting routine. It's not a lot of time, I don't make very complicated meals, but it adds up to several minutes per day. So recently, I've been using those small chunks of time for prayer. Sometimes it looks like a conversation with God. Sometimes I just think about what Jesus has done for me. Sometimes I jam out to Lauren Daigle's Still Rolling Stones. And you know what? It's been really nice and not very difficult. It adds exactly no extra time to my schedule, but it's meaningful. James Clear is really onto something with this whole habit stacking idea. This principle can also be applied to the way that we show up for and show affection for our spouse. Whether we think about it this way or not, we have habits in our relationships. We've developed habits for how we show up and treat our spouse. And it might benefit us to adjust some of those habits to better support the kind of marriage that we want. 
Here's a starting place. Choose something that you do every single day. It can be checking social media, brushing your teeth, changing a diaper or two or 17, eating a meal, driving to work, whatever. It doesn't matter what task or activity you choose, just that you choose one. Then for just one week, try showing some kind of affection to your spouse whenever you do that specific activity. Yes, the habit here that we are stacking on other habits is showing love for our spouse. Seems like a good one, yeah? So maybe you make an effort to give your spouse a kiss or say something kind to them before you log on to social media. Or you try to hold hands with your spouse whenever you're watching TV together. Or you send them a sweet text when you arrive at work. You see where I'm going here? Think of something that you know helps your spouse feel loved and then piggyback that onto something that you're already doing. Does it take a little bit of willpower and effort? Yes. But will it add to your busy schedule or require a lot of energy? No, not really. Suggestion number two is end each day with some sort of connection. If you've been hanging out with me on social media for a while, you know that physical affection is absolutely my jam. I love cuddling and hugs and holding hands and now I feel like I'm introducing a Care Bear. The point is, I like physical touch. My husband enjoys physical touch in moderation. He values personal space much more than I do. So when I say end each day with connection, I'm not suggesting that you should fall asleep cuddling every night. Sounds great to me, but apparently some people find it smothering and uncomfortable. But I am suggesting that you do something to connect. Sometimes that might be sex, great, but it can also look like putting your phones away or even more effective, charging them in a different room and chatting for a few minutes before you fall asleep. It can be a simple kiss or I love you or both. It can look like praying together and for each other. On particularly exhausting days, it might just be putting your arms around each other while you brush your teeth. Whatever it is, make an effort to connect with your spouse at the end of each day. Suggestion number three is schedule sex. You knew that I was going to have to include sex in this conversation, didn't you? It's just too good and too important to skip. But let's first chat about why sex even matters in marriage. Like, why do we even need to try and make our sexual relationship a priority? I got a message recently that read something like this. I love my husband and I want to spend time with him, but I just don't understand why sex has to be a part of that. I don't really want or particularly enjoy sex. I would be totally content if I never had sex again, but I love showing love to my spouse in other ways. Does sex really need to be a part of a happy marriage? Honestly, it's a good question. And I'm guessing some of you were nodding your heads in agreement as I read that message. Peer-reviewed research can give us some insights into the answer. Numerous studies have repeatedly identified links between sex and both overall well-being and relationship satisfaction. Sex contributes to a positive mood, decreases feelings of depression, and predicts other acts of affection in romantic relationships. Sex is even associated with greater overall life satisfaction. Interesting, huh? Sexual satisfaction, how happy you are in your sexual relationship, and marital satisfaction, how happy you are in your marriage overall, seem to be really closely linked. That being said, we do need to acknowledge that academic research is based on averages. Not all people will experience these benefits, and perhaps more importantly, not all sex will result in these positive outcomes. 
Sexual relationships that are unfulfilling or unpleasurable or much, much worse, abusive, will lead to very different outcomes. Still, the research is quite clear. Good sex can contribute to happiness, well-being, and overall relationship and marital satisfaction. Huzzah! Adding faith to the secular research, I also believe that God intended for sex to be a bonding, pleasurable, and joyful part of marriage. I believe that he gave us the gift of sex knowing that it could help us have the kind of marriages that we really want. Trimmed down, good sex contributes to a good marriage. Whether you feel similarly to the individual who sent me the message I read a minute ago, or you actually enjoy sex when you have it, but you're just too tired to want to have it, my recommendation, or rather invitation, is the same. Schedule sex. Once a week is a good starting place for a lot of couples, but you will need to decide the frequency together. I realize that scheduling sex may not sound like the most romantic thing in the world, but it works, and here's why. Number one, scheduled sex enables both partners to prepare for it. When you know that your sex date with your spouse is coming up, you can try and reserve a bit of energy, maybe dress up a bit, clean the bedroom. It provides an opportunity to anticipate and look forward to sex with your spouse, which can build desire. The second reason scheduling sex is an effective approach for so many couples is that it takes some of the pressure off, particularly for the lower desire spouse. Part of this is also scheduling what sex therapist Dr. Botsheva Marcus calls not sex. If the lower desire partner knows that they have a sex date on Sunday, but that you won't be having sex until then, they don't have to worry about whether or not they need to feel up to it that day. They can relax when the higher desire partner shows physical affection on the not sex days, knowing that they're just showing love and not trying to initiate sex. And the higher desire partner doesn't experience the same fear of rejection that might be prevalent when sex isn't scheduled. Now, of course, scheduling sex does not remove the need for consent the day of. Nothing does. If your spouse agreed to having sex on Sunday and then Sunday rolls around and they aren't up to it or don't want to, then you reschedule. But do actually reschedule. Listen, I used to think that scheduling sex was about the least romantic thing ever. I no longer feel that way. Instead, I've given that title to late night, both absolutely exhausted, no emotion or real connection sex. Guys, sex that is prepared for is better sex. Scheduled sex means that you can feel better and look better and communicate better, not to mention that the lube will be on the nightstand and you'll already have a towel ready this time and you turned on sexy music before the party got started. Still skeptical? Try it. If you hate it, you can blame me. There you have it, my friends. Just a few recommendations for how we can practice giving our marriage the time and attention that it deserves. Before the end of this episode, I do want to offer a word of caution. As you start to show more affection and take more time to love on your spouse, it will be very natural to expect them to do the same. But the truth is, they might not. So the extra love and affection may feel a little one-sided, at least at first. I'm not going to tell you that with time, your spouse will jump on the bandwagon too. I can't promise that. But you are only in control of how you show up in your marriage. And your efforts to prioritize time and affection with your spouse will absolutely bless your marriage, even if the acts aren't immediately or ever reciprocated in the way you might hope. I know that's a bit of a tough pill to swallow, but it's true. 
To finish up, I want to bring us back to the quote that I shared earlier from that book I keep mentioning. Love is painfully time-consuming. It is. Love requires so much of us. But isn't it also the thing that we want most in the world? To give and experience true abiding love? I wholeheartedly believe that every single minute that we dedicate to loving those around us, and especially our spouse, is more than worth the effort. And I think our ultimate example of love would agree, though of course I can't speak for Jesus. That's it for our conversation today. If you're enjoying these episodes, will you take just a minute to subscribe and leave a review? More subscribers and reviews mean that more people will find and learn from this podcast, and I'm really hoping that will mean a lot of blessed lives. And thank you so much to those of you who've already done this. It really does mean so much to me. Have a great week, my friends. And if a great week feels like a little too much to expect at this point, then have a week where you love a little more. Sound good? I'll see you next Friday. You finished another episode of the Christian Sex Educator Podcast. That's one more step in preparing for and building the kind of sexual relationship that you're really hoping for. So congrats. For episode details and links, check out the show notes or head over to thechristiansexeducator.com slash podcast. And don't forget, God invented sex and it is oh so good. Come back soon.